Hey everyone, welcome to Theology Corner, a mini-sode of the Voyage podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I will be quickly going over an important theological idea that helps us connect to the works of comics, literature, and popular culture, and my co-host Jacob and I refer to in our conversations. In this episode, we'll be covering the theological concept of recapitulation. So first, just a really quick etymology of the word recapitulation comes from the well the, the Latin caput, which is where we get the word head, because when it, what recapitulation is, is when you go over the main points of something. And so it's like going over the, the main or the head points of a story, of a concept, uh, whatever. And so used in a theological con- context, it's referring to a theory of atonement, specifically the actions, the life, ministry, um, and sacrifice of Jesus, and how that atones us. It's related to how Jesus brings us back into relationship with God. It's based heavily on the importance of Jesus taking on human nature and therefore being a representative of humanity. And so it really emphasizes the human side of Jesus being a representative of all of us because he's the one who is making atonement for our failure for our sin. In the same way that Adam was a representative of humanity and failed, Jesus, by, you could say, reliving these important or headlining events that are recorded in the Gospels, he's succeeding where Adam and then later representatives, because it's not just Adam, but later representatives have failed. Quick disclaimer about recapitulation. It's not the only theory of atonement in Christian history. And it's not even like the only acceptable theory of atonement, though it is arguably the oldest one. And I'll talk a little bit about the history, um, especially the biblical basis for recapitulation in just a little bit. And it's not exclusive to other theories of atonement necessarily either. It's not like in order to accept recapitulation, the recapitulation theory of atonement, you have to reject the others that you may have come across or that you might see um, if you, you know, were just just go to like a Wikipedia article on atonement or something. Um, and actually, what I found interesting is that recapitulation synthesizes really well with um, a couple of, or one especially, one theory that will come up later. And I'll talk a little bit about that when I go through the recommended resources at the end. But first, just the history of recapitulation, like I said. Um, Well, from a Christian standpoint, the first examples are the New Testament itself. And so I was saying how, you know, Jesus is reliving or succeeding where the earlier representatives of humanity have failed, and the primary example would be Adam. And so you'll hear, um, especially in 1 Corinthians, and it's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 22 and 45 is where the biggest examples, the biggest references to this comparison are made. But St. Paul refers to Jesus as um, succeeding where Adam failed, or where Adam brought death into the world, Christ brought life, or even calling Jesus the new Adam, or in some translations, you'll see the last Adam. There's other examples too. So like I said, it wasn't just Adam. Um, and there's even more examples that solidify this if you go through the Gospels, but we're just kind of doing a quick overview. But other representatives would be Moses. So Moses being a really important figure in Judaism in the Old Testament. And Jesus is referred to as a new Moses as well. And it's because of some of the events that you see in the life of Jesus. The first one... Uh, people will look at the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount. And 
why that's making him or that's showing him as the new Moses because Moses was to the Jewish people seen as the one who brought the law from God from the mountain brought the brought God's law down to the people and now we see Jesus on the mount who is giving this new law and primarily the example um, that Christians look to is the Beatitudes which is found right in chapter 5 but really chapters 5 6 and 7 is Jesus giving all of these instructions these laws so to speak to these followers and so he's playing that kind of Moses role the uh, another example we see is in John chapter 4 because one of the last things that we see in the life of Moses um, right as right around his death is this prophecy that God will send a prophet like unto Moses and he was this messianic figure for the Jewish people going all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy and it was especially important for the Samaritan people who broke away from the Israelites uh, during the exile um, or actually before the exile but uh, when the northern and southern kingdom in the Old Testament broke apart and then we started to see this new community but we see the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 and she is asking Jesus if he is this Moses figure and so there's another um, reference to Jesus having this recapitulation aspect and then the last one I wanted to include was so not only is Jesus a um, fulfilling a representative figure like Adam and Moses but even for the entire nation of Israel and so Jesus is also seen as the new Israel and the uh, a big example actually comes right after John 4 in John chapter 5 there's the paralytic before the pool of Beth Bethesda and it talks about how he's been waiting there for 38 years and 38 years was a significant number it wasn't just to show the historical accuracy of the gospel story but 38 years was actually the amount of time that the Israelites were wandering in the desert everybody kind of rounds up to 40 and 40 is a good biblical number to show um, trial or temptation or whatever but it was 38 years and so to have this um, representative Jesus healing that person with the 38 years that's kind of the connection there and then I mentioned before how the nation of Israel when Moses brought them out of Egypt they were wandering in the desert but they were being tempted in the desert they were being tempted to unfaithfulness to God and one of the big ways was by food right they always they didn't have enough food in the desert they always said they they might as well just go back to Egypt or why did God and Moses bring them out to the desert just to die of hunger when they had at least had food in Egypt even though they were slaves and so you have this temptation of bread and what does God send he sends the manna from heaven which saves you know saves them but it, it really showed their their um I guess you could say lack of faith or, or whatever and so we have a similar temptation with Jesus in the desert and it's with bread and so if you think of uh, right early in in the Gospels when it shows the um, temptation of Jesus by the devil it says turn these stones into bread and so we have a similar temptation in the desert to unfaithfulness and what's always interesting and, and I think this is in the Matthew example but Jesus's response is to quote the to quote Deuteronomy so he's quoting the same context in which Moses and the Israelites were in the desert he is quoting those quoting that example or that context back and so there again it shows that connection it shows that reliving but not just reliving and making the same mistakes but fulfilling where the previous examples failed now where do we see this used in theology so 
the two biggest examples um, and they're really really early so we're not just talking about this isn't just stuff that people looked back on and imposed upon the New Testament this is coming right in the early church the two biggest and really early examples in the formation of Christian theology the first one is Saint Justin Martyr and Saint Justin Martyr uh, he has two two really important books one of one of them was his first and second apology where he's brought before and he has to give an account of his faith or, or Christianity in general. But then the other one is called Dialogue with Trifo, where he is having this conversation with somebody about Christianity. And it's almost like just, Justin is doing this dialogue back and forth to convince this person. And one of the things that he will use, and it's in chapter 100, if you want to jump right to that, chapter 100 has a really good example of Justin pointing to Jesus as the new Adam. And so you see this, he doesn't use the word recapitulation, but the concept is there. Uh, interestingly, he also refers to Mary as the new Eve, which Christian theology has historically seen implications in terms of what do we come to understand about Mary, um, especially when it comes to her immaculate conception. And then the other example, again, this is very early. I didn't mention, but uh, St. Justin Martyr, that's in the 100s, so very early, like just after the death of the last apostle, um, is when his dialogue with Trifo. I believe he died in, it was like 120 or 150, maybe, A.D. And then, but the other example is St. Irenaeus. And St. Irenaeus, he wasn't much longer after Justin Martyr. I think he died in like 180, um, but he has his book Against Heresies, which is really like in terms of early systematic theology it's it's one of the most important books but it's so foundational for christian theology going forward but in his against heresies in book three chapters 22 23 and 24 so those three all lumped together and then in book four chapter 14 he makes numerous references numerous connections to this jesus as um, a recapitulating figure in how he he again, fulfills all of these Old Testament things. And so that's where, those are the two primary historical or traditional examples we get the concept beyond just the, the biblical examples that I gave. So now that we've kind of gone into the meaning and the history, what is this, how does this connect to whether it's the episode, the conversation I had with Jake about um, the hero's journey especially, but just pop culture, mythology in general, is because this idea of recapitulation or reliving this life over and over i mean that's kind of the cyclical nature of the hero's journey so the hero's journey is not just something that has been retold countless times like we've had multiple heroes who make make these journeys and they all have these similar points which again that's what joseph campbell was pointing out when he put this monomyth idea together but even within the hero's journey itself it also has these the cyclical pattern and it's not just cyclical where the hero is just doing the same thing over and over again because that would be a boring story. Nobody would pay attention to those stories or nobody would learn anything from those stories or those stories wouldn't uh, stand the test of time. It's precisely in the changing, right? How there's the little tweak where the, the hero does something this one time but then over the course of the story, maybe it's because of the trials that he or she has endured or because of that apotheosis moment, which shows up later in the hero's journey. But because of these big things, it changes how the hero relives it. So the hero will recapitulate, but 
he or she will fulfill where he or a previous character had failed, right? And it's also very satisfying for the audience that you can revisit some of those things, right? It's kind of like a callback. You can revisit them, but you're doing it in a new way that stands out, and you're doing it in a satisfying way within that same story. And that's, again, that's just the concept of recapitulation from, Christ, from a Christian theological standpoint. Like, that's what the New Testament was from the Christian view. They looked back on the Old Testament, and they saw it's it's calling back to those things, but it's revisiting them, it's reliving them, but it's it's satisfying what where they fell short. And so, like I said, the hero recapitulates throughout the story because it shows the readers where growth has occurred. And so it's it again, satisfying for the audience. But it's not just something for the readers or those experiencing the story. It's as as if it's just a teaching mechanism for the audience to say, remember that thing from before? Well, now, well, it is. But it is for the characters in the story as well because it makes their development more believable. Even in a myth, it is more realistic that this would occur. And again, because the myths are, are really, they're just a retelling of our own hero's journey that we experience in life, and then people have, you know, given more meaning to them or they've, uh, formulated them in a certain way, but it's a reflection of us. And so it makes more sense when we see it happen in the story that, you know, the character goes through this recapitulation process and that it has a sort of satisfying uh, conclusion to it. I mentioned before, and I, I didn't even think of this until now, but the fact that recapitulation is an atonement theory in Christian theology, and one of those steps of the hero's journey is atonement with the father and so there should be a, a clear connection in terms of um, significance there but this is why if you remember from the steps of the monomyth there must be a call to adventure but then in part three there's a call to return the hero must cross the first threshold but then the hero must cross the return threshold because he or she is reliving the journey as a changed fulfilled character Again, to relate this theologically, this is the symbolic importance of the resurrection appearances. Now, that's not to deny the historical significance or for the apologetic reasons why you know they show Jesus after the three days after the death and burial, of course. But they show that it is the same Jesus, but also different, because he's mastered both worlds: the worlds of life and death the worlds of the natural and the supernatural, right? It's, it's to communicate to not just us, the, the audience of the gospel stories, but to the characters in the story, right? And again, this is assuming that this was a real thing that happened. So the characters in those stories are real people, and they would have been thinking along these terms too. And so it has that, like I said, that mythological component, which, just to reiterate, mythological doesn't mean fake, it doesn't mean untrue, it doesn't mean fantasy, it means, you know, sacred story. And from a Christian standpoint, there's no more sacred of a story than the Gospels or especially the Resurrection. So this would take us beyond the time of just this minisode, this Theology Corner minisode, but something could be said about how the concept of recapitulation, not only does it play a role in the actual stories of the Gospels, which is where Christian theology draws all of its teaching, all of its doctrine, 
but it plays a role in the development of theological doctrine itself. So just a really, really quick, like the, the development of doctrine is this idea that you have these really, really packed in huge ideas, but they haven't been unpacked yet. They haven't, um, people haven't looked at them from every different angle because as we go through new experiences throughout, you know, world history or different minds have approached these in different ways, we're able to understand them more fully because of the time taken to reflect or because, like I said, the different experiences, different minds and things. And so we're able to draw new perspectives, new reflections from them. It doesn't change the original teaching. It just means that we understand it better. And like I said, what where recapitulation plays in this is that there was this deposit of revelation. So the idea, like I said, um, in Christian theology, public revelation stopped at the death of the last apostle. There's not going to be a new, you know, there's not going to be a new Messiah. There's not going to be a, a new uh, Ten Commandments or anything like that. Like, God has revealed everything that has to be revealed in Jesus. But Christians continue to understand that revelation better and better as the centuries go on, as generation of generations of Christians uh, continue to reflect, to study, as we have examples of great saints or doctors of the church who are able to apply the their different unique abilities, their unique knowledge bases to this deposit of faith. And so we're able to draw new perspectives, understandings, reflections from that over the course of these 2,000 years. So, like I was saying, what where recapitulation comes in is that we're going over the same thing. We're going over it again and again, but we're doing it in new ways. Just like a character is going back to that same place or going back to that experience, but as a new person, as a new or changed hero, the church is going over these old truths of the faith, not in order to reject them, not to strip them of their meaning, but to bring out, give a fuller understanding of the meaning behind those different doctrines. And this is why you know, from a Catholic perspective, we can continue to take those, you know, that deposit of faith and apply it in new ways and new experiences because we have these new minds that are going over, they're recapitulating the same things. And like I said, that's, it's something that would need to be fleshed out more. It's not like, you know, it, it would deserve its own you know, and maybe development of doctrine will have its own mini-sode at some point in the future. But I just think that recapitula recapitulation is, and it plays an important role in that, in the same way that it does for individuals, um, it can for ideas too, and the ideas that grow from it. Okay, last thing we got to talk about, because I still want to keep this a mini-sode, is book recommendations. And I will try to keep this short. Uh, fortunately, I've mentioned two of the most important ones already, so I don't have to spend a lot of time there. But the two most important book recommendations when understanding or seeing recapitulation in use is, of course, the Dialogue with Trifo by St. Justin Martyr, which, like I said, it's chapter 100 is where you'll see it. It's, and chapters are short in old books like that. It's really only like two paragraphs. The entire Dialogue with Trifo is maybe 150 pages, like depending on the edition you get or whatever, depending on the translation. And it's really, really good. I mean, it's a really good, and if you like books that are written like a dialogue, which I think can always be fun to read, and, and they can be really engaging. Um, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a really good book anyway. St. Justin Martyr does a great job with that. 
Um, and because of its antiquity, you get a sense of this is as close to the source as possible, you know, when it comes to Christian teaching, when it comes to Christian theology. Um, and so there again, I can't recommend Dialogue with Trifo enough. Similarly, now this would be, I mean, the entire book is really, really long, but the these specific sections would be helpful. And even if you just took, I think it's been recommended, uh, is it books three, four, and five, or three, four, five, and six of Against Heresies by St. Irenaeus of Lyon. Maybe it's three, four, and five. But uh, just that, that section is worth the price of the book because of, like I said, St. Irenaeus was probably one of the first systematic Christian theologians after the apostles or, you know, amongst the church fathers. And so he does such a good job of giving all of these teachings, but giving a, a good understanding of these teachings. And again, they date back to the 100s. And so he's, you're getting as close to the source as possible from an authoritative source. Not only was he a saint, he was a bishop, and so he would have been somebody who would have been representing the church even at that time. A more contemporary source is Scott Hahn, who has a book called A Father Who Keeps His Promises, which is kind of his like walk through the Bible and giving a, a really good um, understanding of how all of the different parts of, especially the Old Testament, are fulfilled in Christ or, or find their fulfillment in Christ. And so there again, that's a, it's a really good example of, of seeing recapitulation told through these different stories. And, uh, and like I said, it's mostly Old Testament, but his whole thing is that, you know, the promise of the Father is ultimately Jesus. And so you get that sort of satisfaction at the end of saying, hey, all that stuff that was there before, here's how it is fulfilled in Christ. And then finally, and this is like I was saying at the beginning, um, recapitulation is a theory of atonement that it's not the only, and it's not like it is exclusive, like Christians or Catholics can only accept that one. Um, another really, really good one, which actually builds upon recapitulation, is is kind of called it's called the participation theory, um, which it's not exclusive to Saint Thomas Aquinas, but uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas probably has the best, uh, I guess, example of writing or body of writing when it comes to that. And where you get this, uh, where you get this written out. And I think it is a, um, technically it's an academic source, so maybe it'd be a little bit harder to read than a popular level source, but I, I think like if you have um, some theological vocabulary to kind of help you along, you, you should be able to understand it and follow along with it. But it's called Christ's Fulfillment of Torah and Temple by Dr. Matthew Levering, who, again, one of the uh, contemporary scholars who does a lot of really good work on the Bible, but also on St. Thomas Aquinas, and so he's able to synthesize those two, you know, important sources well together. And like I said, that the book itself is on soteriology, or the study of salvation, which is what atonement and recapitulation would fall under. And so that's another really good one that I, I strongly recommend, um, even if it is, you know, a little bit more difficult to uh, get into and it's not even like it's like 500 pages I think it's maybe like 200 or so pages um, but you know it's not like the easiest read or whatever so anyway that's uh, everything I got on this and I know it's still technically a mini-sode and, and I, I thank you guys for coming to Theology Corner um, which is 
part of the Voyage Podcast. Voyage Podcast is a production of Voyage Comics. Voyage Comics seeks to create exceptional entertainment informed by Catholic values that inspires people to live a heroic life. We seek to advance the truth, beauty, and goodness found in powerful stories. You can read about this and other interesting subjects at the Voyage blog. The Voyage blog is devoted to testing everything and finding God in popular entertainment, focusing on comics, fantasy, and sci-fi. You can become a member and support Voyage Comics by going to voyagecomics.com slash join. Thanks, guys.